0: Bismillah Rahman Iraheim, Ashadwallah ilahlallah, Ashadu Anna Muhammadan Varasulallah. We start in the name of Allah Rahman Rahim. All praise to Allah Rabbul Alameen. And may the peace and blessings be upon Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, upon his family, upon his companions, and upon all those who follow the path of haqq, the path of truth, until the day of judgment. From the onset, it should be clear to all of us that the issue of Afghanistan is an Islamic issue as it is connected to the Islamic lands, it is connected to the welfare of the Muslims, and it is connected to the principle of Amr bin Maruf wa Nahi Anil Munkar, which is to enjoin the good and to forbid the evil. Likewise, it is nay impossible for anyone globally not to be aware of the principal events that have taken place and continue to take place in Afghanistan. We have the negotiations that took place between the US and Taliban delegations, in Doha, over a year and a half. We have the announcement of the withdrawal of US troops that has started. We have the whirlwind authority and control the Taliban established throughout the whole of Afghanistan, culminating in taking control of Kabul, the Afghan capital. We've seen the chaotic scenes at Kabul airport as troops, officials and Afghans alike have been trying to leave. We've seen foreign governments at loggerheads internally and scrambling to state official positions on Taliban and the overall situation in Afghanistan. And we've also seen the mixed media coverage, which noticeably has been far more accommodating and toned down in the language used to describe the unfolding situation. Without doubt, the love for Islam by the members of Taliban and the Ummah as a whole is unquestionable. However, all the events that surround the current situation has led many to question about what is truly going on. And this is an expression even amongst the Muslims. For example, are we on the precipice of seeing the return of Islam as a system? Or is it just another case of Islamic sentiment and effort being diverted politically by colonial powers, in this case the U.S.? And we should all be reminded of the hadith when the Prophet ﷺ said mu'min مِنْ جُهْرٍ That the believer does not get bitten from the same hole twice. So there are many points, angles and issues that can be discussed. My aim is to summarize three thoughts and from this take the opportunity for discussion and comments so everyone contributes with issues that we may have swirling around in our minds or that we have come across in discussion. Firstly, the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan is built upon a pillar that we should all be familiar with, i.e. its strategic interests. Its active engagement in Afghanistan was during the Soviet invasion in 1979 until 1989, where it supported the Mujahideen against the Russians. With the collapse of the Soviet Union and the emergence of the Central Asian republics, the U.S. saw huge Oil and gas opportunities, but which needed to be transported with pipelines running through Afghanistan. This project didn't work out very well, and the US invaded Afghanistan in 2001 to oust the Taliban. The US sought regime change by setting up a government with corrupted warlords from the Northern Alliance, with Hamid Karzai at its heads. But for 20 years, the US has not been successful with this military approach and instead has spent over $2 trillion and lost around 2,500 troops. And throughout this period, like all previous attempts by foreign powers to control Afghanistan, it has been the local people that have suffered economically through nepotism, corruption and exploitation. What is key with regards to the first point is to understand that though the U.S. has been embarrassed by its military failure and it is pulling out of the country, its presence remains politically, since its interests remain. Therefore, the U.S. through diplomacy and its regional agents seeks to maintain its influence and interests. This should be obvious and known to all of us. I.e., the U.S. has not left and will not leave. Secondly, the Taliban movement emerged in the 1990s and since 2010 the U.S. started negotiations with the Taliban through Pakistan. Zalmay Khalizad was appointed as the U.S. Special Representative for Afghanistan Reconciliation, tasked with ending the U.S. military occupation. During this period, Pakistan released Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar, who has led the negotiations for Taliban in Qatar. Their negotiations culminated in the Doha Agreement in February 2020, which included provisions such as guarantees of a timeline for the withdrawal of all foreign forces from Afghanistan, which was supposed to be the 1st of May 2021, but this was deferred until 31st of August 2021. Yesterday evening, President Biden of the United States announced that this date may also be further extended to ensure all US citizens have left Afghanistan guarantees that Afghanistan will not be used by any group or individual against the security of the U.S. and its allies. The agreement also made reference to the process of removal of sanctions against members of the Taliban and that the U.S. and its allies will refrain from the threat or the use of force against the territorial integrity or political independence of Afghanistan or intervening in its domestic affairs. This is what has been stated and documented publicly But there may be other conditions agreed that have not been mentioned The Doha agreement may be considered by some as similar to the Treaty of Hudaybiyah Signed by the Prophet ﷺ with the Quraysh However, what is key to understand with regards to the second point Is that these agreements are not similar The Quraysh had no political control or influence in Medina, and neither had sway over the Muslims. The reality of U.S. involvement and influence in Afghanistan and in and in the Taliban is unlike this. The love the Taliban show for Islam needs to be combined with the political awareness that when we negotiate with the devil, we will get burnt, and the U.S. will retain its influence and strategy for Afghanistan. The third point is that we must remember and learn lessons from our recent past arab springs tunisia egypt etc all of this based around the hadith which i mentioned earlier that the believer does not get bitten from the same hole twice yes we should be happy to see the exit of foreign troops on muslim land more so than it is the u.s yes we should also be happy to see the aspiration of the desire to establish the Islamic government. Yet with all these positives, we can't allow our sentiments to be naive of the political realities and the need to measure by Islam what is taking place and what needs to take place. What is key with regards to this third point is that the project to establish the Islamic governance is a project that requires comprehensive preparation of the constitution and all the systems and rules that need to be implemented so there is no mixing between Islam and secularism and there is no need to negotiate with any foreign power. Also, what is needed is a political awareness about the actions and intent of the state such as Russia, China and the US and breaking off all negotiations with them completely ensuring they are out of the country both as a force and politically. Also, what is needed is clarity on the position with regards to the key issues, such as rejecting the integrity and legitimacy of the artificial borders that have divided the Muslim lands, nor engaging with international colonial tools such as the UN, IMF and the World Bank. These were the three thoughts that I had, and with that in mind, Let me summarise with the following. While we are happy to see Muslims gain the upper hand, let us not be politically naive and get bitten again. The US has not left Afghanistan. We should be aware, understand and advise others that negotiations with states that have a brutal track record against Muslims should be stopped to prevent these states gaining what they could not do through war. And the Muslims should not be used as pawns on a political chessboard. The US needs to be kicked out completely, not just physically, but politically. And the final summary point is that we should understand that by relying upon Islamic politics alone is the only safeguard for the project to establish the Islamic governance. Being pragmatic Mixing Islam with secular politics and institutions only gives secularism and colonial powers a way to maintain control over Muslims. The vision of an Islamic emirate should be to establish the Khilafah with all its institutions, constitution and rules which will uproot all existing systems Infrastructure and political interference that has suffocated Afghanistan. One which does not recognize the borders between the Muslim lands, and one which seeks to unify Afghanistan with Pakistan at least, and with the Central Asian republics to establish a strong independent state. With this in mind, insha'Allah, let's open the floor to comments and and questions. JazakAllah khair, A'kul kawlihada wa'staqfirullah.